These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I'm here with my colleague, Paul Takahashi. Paul covers retail for the Chronicle, and he's been writing about Mattress Firm, the Houston-based mattress chain that's on just about every prominent retail corner in town, or at least that's what it seems. Paul, Mattress Firm has just filed Chapter 11, but there have been problems with the company for a while. We're going to call a local analyst in a minute who's been following the situation. But first, can you tell us kind of in a nutshell what happened to get the company to the point where it is today, which is bankruptcy and on the brink of closing hundreds of stores? Sure. So Mattress Firm... uh about a decade ago, started embarking on this huge kind of expansion strategy uh, that really ramped up in the last several years. Uh, basically, since 2007, um, the the company acquired 10 of its competitors, uh, the largest one being Sleepies, and they basically gobbled up all these rivals and they ramped up, rolled it up about you know, t- nearly 2,000 stores, nearly tripling its store count. So wow. they've got about 3,300 stores nationwide right now. And that's what companies do, right? You grow. and But I think a lot of analysts say that they, they grew too fast and they sort of struggled on the weight of all these stores. Um, they, you know, had str- you know, trouble with supply chain, you know, getting all their mattresses into these stores. They had trouble sort of with the cost of rebranding all of these stores, especially Sleepies up in the Northeast. Um, just a lot of money to rebrand all these stores. And so uh, they struggled a lot with that. And they sort of ran into debt. Um, the, you know, as part of the filing, they uh, disclosed that they've got $3.2 billion worth of debt right now. And, uh, you know, they're they're struggling under that weight. You know, they announced as part of the bankruptcy announcement, they're going to close about 700, up to 700 nationwide uh, as part of the bankruptcy proceedings. And they, they're hoping that, you know, the cost savings from that, they're going to uh, allow them to, you know, expand their product offering and maybe, you know, uh, expand into new markets, uh, you know, beef up their existing stores. They they really are trying to sort of right the shift, if you will, trying mm-hmm. to get the right number of stores. And they just had so many stores, you know, literally, you know, two or three on a on a single block, and uh, it just became unsustainable um, of a model. And if you've got three stores on a block or something like that, you know, they're all cannibalizing each other, and <laughs> those stores aren't going to sell. They had these stores that were so close to each other. Was that because? of acquisitions that they had made. And so say that there was a mattress firm and there was a sleepies nearby. So they just turned the sleepies into a mattress firm and then, and they just kept both of those stores open because usually when there's a acquisition or a merger, like we were talking about the other day, Paul, they will find redundancies, they call it, and then they'll lay people off or they'll close locations do you know why they kept these stores open 
to cannibalize off each other, like you said? Yeah, so that's, yeah, I think it's a combination. They they definitely acquired a number of these competitor stores. They sort of kept them open for whatever reason. And, you know, part of it was sort of their growth strategy. Um, they... Uh, I think they sort of employ this kind of Starbucks model, if you will, mm-hmm. of clustering a lot of stores. And it's very common in sort of the food and beverage industry, restaurants, bars, coffee shops. They they do this all the time. They want to be close by to each other. And Starbucks in particular, they don't want any sort of other copy, coffee competitor coming into the market. So what they tend to do is they sort of blanket the market with a lot of coffee shops. But, you know, that model works when you're selling coffee drink or uh, lattes or baked goods that are only a few dollars each. But, uh, and you buy them frequently, you buy them perhaps every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the case of Mattress Firm, they employ the same strategy to a product that is hundreds if not thousands of dollars per mattress and you buy them maybe once every eight to 10, even more years. And so, you know, in that case, it's a very tough business model to really work. And it worked if you've got maybe, you know, two or so in, within a close proximity to each other, maybe you're cannibalizing a few sales. But when you've got such a huge saturation, we're talking 3000 plus stores nationwide, it just, it, that model analysts say just did not work for the company. And in Houston, they have 18 stores that are going to be closing, which they've announced. Certainly more will come. But as far as the total count of stores in Houston or across the area, we know that there's at least about 130 or 140, right? It's a it's a pretty big number. The people at the, the company say that they're going to be releasing more information within the next couple of months, right, on the, right, right. the stores that will close. Um, I I did want to ask you one more thing before we call our analyst, but um, what what does this bankruptcy mean for the company? Are they just going to be able to get out of their leases? They, you said they want to restructure, so they they do want to emerge as a better company. Um, Can you explain a little bit about what it it means um, today? Sure. So they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which basically means that, you know, they're able to sort of restructure their operations and their finances and protect themselves from sort of these creditors that were going after them for all the debt that they have um, and the money that they're owed to them. And so basically, you know, this allows them to get out of leases that, you know, in locations that were sort of underperforming or a lot of these sort of duplicate or redundant or overlapping locations. So um, what it does is allows them to kind of pare down very quickly and not have to sort of negotiate landlord by landlord, you know, in different cities uh, across the country to get out of all these leases. They can kind of say, hey, we're going to reject all these leases. We're, we're bankrupt. And so mm-hmm. that's allowing them to do that and sort of pare down. And I think the goal a lot of analysts believe is that Mattress Firm is looking for a buyer. So they were acquired uh, about two years ago by this uh, South African retail conglomerate called um, Steinhoff International. And uh, this is a you know South African-based company that owns a lot of retail you know locations, different businesses. And they were sort of looking to branch out into the U.S. And by acquiring Mattress Firm. And it sort of turned out last year that they were in the sort of Enron-esque kind of financial accounting scandal. And mm-hmm. they sort of turned out to be the life raft that had a lot of holes for uh, Mattress Firm. They, they they thought that, you know, this company could help them get, you know, in this financial bind that they were having. And so it turned out that really, you know, they were in a trouble of their own. And, uh, and, and so I think what Steinhoff is looking probably to do is to get 
mattress firm to a stable state, you know, lowered the number of stores. You know, the business model still kind of works for the company. You know, Houston's growing, the nation's growing, mattress sales are, you know, on, on the whole, very stable. It's a product that people use every day. And um, I think there's a sense that, you know, if they can get this company back on its feet, that it will be attractive to a buyer, whether it's a private equity firm or another mattress company. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Well, we are going to give a call to Jason Gaines. He is Senior Vice President and Retail Division Leader with NAI Partners, a commercial real estate firm. And he's pretty knowledgeable about what's been going on here and can give us his take. So let's give him a call. Hello, this is Jason. Hey, Jason. It's Nancy Sarnoff. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? Good. So, Jason, we were just talking about what is happening with Mattress Firm and the stores that they're expected to close in the Houston area and around the country. What is your take on what this might do to the the Houston real estate landscape? Um, is it going to be a big deal for Houston? Do you think it's something that we'll be able to kind of get out of and absorb the space relatively quickly. What's what's your thinking? So the the mattress from stores, by and large, are sitting on very high quality real estate. Mm-hmm. That was always their thing was to find the location that had the highest level of visibility, probably over anything else. Um, so they want to be on the main street, on the freeway, or a combination of the two. Their, their their real estate was always uh, on the high end of the rent world. You know, they, they were going to because of the nature of what they do. They they were chasing they were chasing new home sales, relocations, basically people who had a reason to be um, in the market for a mattress. And when they were in that market, that the top of the mind was a mattress firm location that they'd seen a hundred times just driving their car, or you know, again freeway convenience. So really, just about all the real estate that Mattress Firm sits on is, by and large, um, top-shelf real estate. And even within those locations, they usually um, elected to pay up to the to the most premium spot within those locations. So, I mean, if, if people think about a Mattress Firm, a lot of times it's in a an incredibly prominent spot, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the point where for the few years when they were just rolling out stores left and right, um, you know, it kind of became almost a running joke that people said, gosh, there's a mattress store on every corner now. Um, and that's because they wanted to be top of your mind and, 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 you know, just be the first and only thing you thought of when you thought of mattresses was the, you know, mattress firm. They wanted to be as notorious as like Xerox or, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. I mean, it's just, it's just it, the purchase cycle on a mattress is just not, it's just not quick enough. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's famously now every seven years that they're they're at least trying to advertise you replace a mattress and and let's be honest most people don't even do it that often. Mm-hmm. And they're also facing competition from online mattress sellers, which I find a little mind boggling because it's a mattress. It's it's something that you kind of want to feel and touch and sit on, um, but people are now starting to buy them online. Correct, and the and the the business model there is that those <clears throat> those retailers or, or, or suppliers, if you will, um, the, their entire uh, defense mechanism against the fact that you can't lay on it, feel it, touch it, experience it is we'll we'll you know we'll deliver the mattress to you. 
you get a uh, somewhere between 30 and 90 days to more or less fall in love with it or not, and no questions asked returns. And that was how they got over that. And I'm sure that that's probably something that's at least a threat to the very basic business model of a mattress showroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's there's that threat on a grand scale, and then there's also the threat that just about all of the significant furniture stores have a pretty concerted effort to be in the mattress business, whether it's gallery furniture, exclusive furniture, all these all these local groups have a significant amount of mattress sales uh, because everybody wants to be in that that high markup business. How do you think this is going to impact landlords who hold the leases for all of this space? It, it really is almost kind of individual location specific because a number of their locations are in a power anchored shopping center or a larger square footage shopping center. The, there's, there's plenty of other passive income and, and rent there from other tenants that it's not going to, um, uh, it, it's going to be more of an irritation and, and a, and a you know, a, a pet project than it is going to be something that's catastrophic to the property. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't hurt. It's just uh, something that needs to be dealt with. The The exposure gets tougher for the small shopping center owner that owns a, a 10, 15, 20,000 square foot center and four or 5,000 square feet is, is, is giving back their keys. Or even worse, the, the groups that own a single tenant uh, freestanding mattress firm location where they're looking at the possibility of having no rental income and and presumably a mortgage or, or something that they have to make payments on. And so it's, it's the exposure for those guys is actually the highest and the risk, I should say, is the highest. So Mattress Firm is is suing, they're in a lot of different lawsuits over you know supply chain issues with Tempur Sealy, the manufacturer behind Tempur Pedic, and they had a falling out there, and um, they they're engaged in a number of other lawsuits as well. But one of them sort of struck out was um, they're they they were they sued their former real estate brokers um, over what they said you know was kind of you know steering them into sort of these leases for stores um, that may have been overpriced and basically. You know, blaming part of their overstoring problem on on a number of brokers, and I'm just kind of curious as to your thoughts on as as a broker, do you? I know there are a number of retailers that use overstoring and and sort of clustering of stores as sort of their strategy. You think of Starbucks, and you know they they want to saturate the market and and sort of crowd out all their competitors, and um, it's it's a definitely a strategy. But I guess as a broker, do you ever say like to a one of your clients or uh, retailers say, you may have too many stores, or I guess, um, is, is that something that do you caution against? Or wh- I guess, what's the rationale behind um, some of the overstoring strategies there? Um, I mean, in, in, in this specific industry, one of the, one of the things that should be uh, part of a relationship with a client as their broker for, say, the Houston market is to not only be negotiating lease terms, but also be be something of a of a, of a sounding board for you know the 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 distances between stores, the amount of you know what what constitutes market saturation, what constitutes cannibalization is what they call it, basically between two stores if they start to overlap themselves. Um, I will say this much: I have been doing this for 15 years. I have never, in my years of representing a tenant in the Houston area been able to force feed my tenant into doing stores that they didn't naturally come to the business decision of doing. It's just, it's not the nature of, of representing a tenant, especially a tenant of any 
um, uh, scale and consequence. You know, you're talking about a, you're talking about a, a national chain here that has thousands of stores, and I I have never in my years of representing some of the name brand uh, tenants around Houston at least uh, been able to say you are going to do this deal and and you know th- this needs to happen and, and been able to force feed uh, an overgrowth of a brand. Yeah, obviously you've been following closely what's happening. And um, if I'm right, it sounds like you ultimately don't think the the mattress firm closings will will be a big drag on the market. Yeah, I think I think they they have great real estate. Um, they uh, the market right now is, is actually thirsty for some for some quality retail space. I mean, we've been at a at a, a roughly four to six percent vacancy across the market for at least five years. Um, and there are retailers, regional, local, national, that are interested in growing more in Houston. And I would probably go ahead and say for the rest of the major Texas markets, like Austin, San Antonio, Dallas as well, um, that I know are interested in growing in this market. Have you gotten any calls already at NAI from people looking at mattress firm locations and saying, hey, yes. really? Oh, yes. What What kind of users? Just Soft good um, type of. It's going to be a little tricky. Uh, what I will say is, is, is the easiest and, and and most slam dunk way. You know, let's let's just say for the sake of argument that there's 20 locations of of mattress firm that flush out in the market, and and you know all of them are of of reasonable desirability. The easiest way to to backfill them, if you're a landlord or or, or anybody in the business, is to find something that's uh, you know similar showroom style tenancy again, like a a great example would be in an ideal world, you'd have a, a Sherwin-Williams paint store rollout where they say, wow, let's take down 20 new locations because they're the same kind of size. They have kind of that low parking requirement. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're in the business of taking showroom-ready space. Um, the problem is going to be when it's more complex backfill candidates like restaurant groups or medical, and and then you're talking about tenants that need a lot of uh, capital finish out allowance. Some of them become kind of a parking problem, especially when you start getting into some of these mattress firm stores they did where the landlords, quite frankly, were really excited about them because they would fill a lot of space, pay a lot of rent, and they almost had no customers. <laughs> and so it was a great tenant if you were a landlord and you were concerned about uh, other tenants crabbing about parking. So great. So now they've left. And if I don't know, I'm making up an example here, but Torchy's Tacos says, hey, we want to take that over. That's great, except that you, you know the Torchy's parking uh, concerns and, and, and costs of, of converting it to a restaurant become a very real thing. And in some some instances, I'm sure it can work out. In other instances, it's going to make it limiting of what a landlord can do to backfill a space. And you know, so he may have to be more patient, not get quite the premium rents from the tenants that need higher parking, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us. Jason, this has been, yeah, this has been really helpful. We'd love to have you on again. So, um, thanks Jason. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Y'all, uh, y'all have a great day. Okay. You too. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Paul, when was the last time you bought a mattress? Oh boy. Definitely, you know, more than eight years ago, I'd, I'd probably say, oh, yeah, really? I know they say, you know, what is it? The, what's the saying? Change by eight or ah, mattresses by eight. Uh, mattress, mattress firm had a, had a, logo or well, he had said, a slogan. He said they were moving it to seven, seven. moving it down to seven. Ah. So you are overdue. <laughs> I am overdue, I think. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think mattresses used to be one of those more like 
lifetime purchases, I, I always thought. Yeah. And it just is, you know, oh, mattress firm. I just looked it up. Replace every eight is their slogan. So <laughs> apparently, you know, it's one of their, I think, ploys to try to get us to buy more mattresses, spend right. more money at their stores. Right. But um, there's no real way to, I don't think, plan, you know, to have planned obsolescence for mattresses and like maybe technology or smartphones and computers. So, you know, it's, they got to find some way to get people to understand they have to buy more mattresses yeah. and replace them every yeah. so often. So. Whenever I walk by those stores and I'll see a couple of salespeople in the store and I swear all the time they're just sitting on one of the beds just looking out the window, kind of waiting for someone to come in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very low overhead for mattress firm, but yeah, yeah you're always wondering like, how are they selling anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah for so. sure. When was the last time you bought a mattress? Oh, well, I bought one um, about a year ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty recent. And I went to this discount warehouse on the East End. Did uh, you replace after eight? I don't know how many years <laughs> it had been, but... All right. Well, thank you, Paul, for joining me and for um, covering this this news. And I know you've got some follow-ups that you're doing as well. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks and, for having me. Yeah. And listeners, thanks for being here too. Please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And please rate us and write a review. It helps us grow. If you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach me on Facebook or Twitter. I am at Ensarnoff. Until next time, thanks for listening.